Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what's astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. So I'll go first today. Okay. Uh, what's astonishing me? I got in to my office yesterday, and our administrative assistant doesn't work on Mondays, but there was this letter uh, on my desk. Uh, actually, it was an envelope addressed to the church, and I opened it, and there was this article uh, by Keith Stewart, and it's entitled, We Were Wrong. And it's this uh, suburban, apparently large suburban church in Dallas, I think, and they just put an article in the paper saying it was an apology to the community, uh, saying that they were wrong about how they were in ministry in their community. Huh. Yeah. And... The envelope is just addressed to the church. It's handwritten. Uh, the postmark is Springfield, Missouri. I don't know anyone in Springfield, Missouri. I'm sure it's a lovely place. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the article isn't very long, probably about 300 words. Um, but just, and, and I was going to set it aside and I decided to read it. It was the first thing I did yesterday. And, yeah, uh, because whenever you get an anonymous letter that comes to the church, I mean... It makes you a little nervous, Well, right? it's always worth reading, well, right? I mean, like, it's, it's you incredible. You, you don't know which side know. of the spectrum. You never but know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I found myself being convicted by it. And I love uh, where uh, Keith Stewart, who is the senior pastor, writes, We followed trends when we should have followed Jesus. We told others how to live but did not listen ourselves. Wow. We lived in a land of plenty, denying ourselves nothing, while ignoring our neighbors in need, who actually have nothing. We sat on the sidelines while AIDS ravaged Africa. We were wrong. We're sorry. Please forgive us. See, what is amazing about that is we're talking on Saturday about how new life, only begins in repentance. Mm. And so, like, it's amazing. I mean, setting aside the really interesting question of who sent that to you and what that's all about, yeah. like, it's just so interesting to want, for me, to wonder, I wonder what's happening in that community right now, and I bet it's something incredible. Well, the article goes on to say about how they have shifted so much of their congregation's energy into... Uh, being in Africa, I think especially Kenya, it's either Kenya or Nigeria, and the work that they're doing there, and um, you see true repentance, not only sorrow for, you know, the way they were in ministry, but they put action behind that. Okay, so what's interesting to me, dark side, Murphy, over here, <laughs> what's interesting uh -oh. to me about that is, it's obviously, obviously... Obviously, any work that is being done in Africa to mm -hmm. alleviate the suffering of folks with AIDS and to restore communities is good and godly work. But mm -hmm. that church is in Missouri, right? No, the church is in Texas. Oh, the church is in Texas. Someone sent, sent it to, it to me. you from, from yeah. Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, but so it's interesting to me, like, so the manifestation of their repentance is deep work in Kenya and not deep work in their own community? Well... I think the article begins by saying they had been highly critical of energy toward 
that continent when it came came to the AIDS crisis. Okay. Yeah, and they were they were sorry that they were critical um, mm-hmm. about that, and so I think that's why now mm-hmm. energy toward Africa. At least well, that's that's whatever. That's how I, I understood it. Anytime I think a community of faith can sincerely look at itself mm-hmm. and say. I, I really want to spend more time looking at and caring about our sins and grieving our unfaithfulness than I want. I mean, I just yeah, think good, yeah. good, good things come from that yeah. for individuals and for communities. So that's amazing. So, and I also think, so how are you making sense of the fact that this, like where this came from and what are you doing with it? And I have no idea. After I read the article, I thought, well, you know, if I had to apologize, what would mm-hmm. I apologize mm-hmm. for? And I thought, you know what? I have been a part of the public face of the church that's a frown, talked about more uh, what it's against than what it's for, mm-hmm, instead mm-hmm. of uh, the, the smile of the one who is a friend of sinners, right? Right. Well, and I just think it's interesting, I mean, the phrasing, because we talked about this last week in worship, that like, well, if I had to apologize, like if I had to deeply mm-hmm. consider the reality that I sin in ways that matter, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that in spite of my intent, this impact might mm-hmm. have been destructive and to care more, you know, I mean, and obviously like the, the hu- huge part of our tradition is that we do every week right, in worship right, come right, together right. and yeah, say, yeah, I'm yeah. going to face this reality that I am a sinner mm-hmm. and it's not okay. And that just in, you know, believing that loving Jesus sincerely and receiving Jesus's love for me doesn't mitigate the destructive power of sin in my life. And I care yes. about this and I want to, you know, I, but too often we see it as an individual. Right. And it doesn't, yeah. and not as a community. Well, and I think too often we see it as, an act of confession and forgiveness and not repentance, sure, right? Like sure. we're not mm-hmm. really repenting. Mm-hmm. We're just like saying, well, this is my reality and I this need, I need to be humble and yes. I need to whatever instead yes. of saying like, no, no, I need to actually care. Yes. Not that I can't save the world or not about whatever somebody in the Oval Office is doing, but about the things in my life that I am mm-hmm. willfully choosing not to do when I'm called to do them or choosing to indulge in when I, I mean, like that needs to matter to us mm-hmm. as people of faith. And yes, as a community, like I, I think it would be really interesting. Maybe, um, maybe we'll do this soon. I mean, just, it would be an interesting thing for leaders every year when you do your kind of SWOT analysis of mm-hmm. what's, what are our strengths and what are our weaknesses to really look back at the last year and say, yes, let's look at where God has been. Let's look at what, how we've grown, yeah. but, but what should we repent of in the past year? Hey, that's good. I right. don't know why we, we, I've never, because well, it's a scary yeah. question, yeah. Yeah. right? But to say yeah. like, I'm not ashamed to repent. But we do it as as individuals, but not as a community. Well, and I'm not even sure how authentically we do it as individuals, right? I'm like, there's well, a danger to the ritual. I mean, like, I hope we do. I think I just I'm trying. A lot more. <laughs> well, no, I just think it's interesting to say, like, do we ever think we'll reach a place as a community where we wouldn't have something to repent of? Mm. And so, I mean, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that we don't answer ask that question mm-hmm. means. I don't know. We we have a false sense of who we are. We have a false pride. We're scared of the answer or yeah. we're not interested yeah. in God changing us mm. as as extraordinarily as God would if we really were repenting yeah. communities of faith. Yeah. So that's really cool. That's yeah, it so- sounds like it was good for the soul of this congregation. I would love to be able to sit with some people 
in that Texas community who are not a part of that congregation to ask, okay, so how did you hear this apology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm wondering, like, to me, that's a huge gift that someone has sent you. And it'd be interesting, like, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to sit with it with people in your community? And Yeah, I mean, oh, it, most definitely. I'm yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. yeah our, our next session meeting, um, we're definitely talking about this. I, I'm, I'm still just trying to get my head around the who and, you know, I'm looking at the handwriting going, going, do I know that handwriting? Um, but yeah, it was, it was a gift. It was a gift. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. Um, I mean, uncomfortable, but awesome. I mean, and I would assume it's somebody that has, has come across the ministry enough to know that you are really working with this congregation and with yourself to Mm -hmm, say, mm -hmm. you know, we're not saying the rest of the world is wrong and come in here and we'll be your, you know, arc boat of salvation. We're saying we've been on unfaithful and we want to conform to Mm -hmm. the call of the gospel on our lives individually and collectively. And we're really interested in doing what it takes to become more and more obedient. And yeah. Yes. Whoever sent it to me, you know, I receive it as a gift. Yeah. Affirmation and confirmation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, so here's what is amazing me right now. Um, last Sunday. So we, um, at the church, we do all of our kind of small group, what a lot of people would label Sunday school. Um, but we don't call it that mainly because we want people to participate. (laughs) But, um, so we do that after worship. Labels Um, matter. And so we call it the second hour and basically just this idea of like, you know, if you've, you've had an hour, as my husband would say, it's not an hour. <laughs> Don't call it second hour because worship's not an hour. But um, if you've had this moment in worship, then can, can you gather with some folks and kind of unpack that with people mm. or just think about how, how you're going to take it out of the worship box into your life. And anyway, so we just yeah, have different good. things that people can do that's and we good. encourage people to um, even just be in the fellowship hall and forming relationships with mm-hmm. one another. Like that's a holy response to worship. But anyway, one of the um, second hour groups we have right now um, is called how to hear from God. And this mm. really incredible woman and friend um, is teaching it. And I love, um, she comes from a really different part of the body of Christ mm. than the Presbyterian world. Um, and, and she, her great passion is to kind of demystify mm. and make accessible just a robust, healthy, and holy prayer life for, for all God's people. And, you know, we all sort of fall into, um, this comfortable way of thinking that like, oh, some people are called to have really intense prayer lives, but like, that's not me. Or like I can sit in the pews Mm -hmm. and listen to someone else pray or even be moved by that. But like, I just, I'm not a prayer. I don't have that gifting Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And her, her thinking is, which I totally agree with is like, you know, that, that's probably not true. And, and certain people might have extraordinary experiences of prayer and that's fine. But, but all believers are called to have prayer as just a, and can grow in it. Well, and that's her other thing is like, if, Mm -hmm. if you are sitting there in the pews and feeling like, well, I'm just not called to prayer, it's probably because no one's really taught you how to pray. Mm. And then in our communities, we just sort of assume, which is terrible, but we just sort of assume that people know how to pray. And then we create this culture where you can't ask, right? And you just feel like, well, if I don't have it, then I'm just not supposed to have it. So anyway, this, this class in and of itself is just this really beautiful thing of being able to say, Hey, let's call together people and say, this is a safe space to, you know, just talk about like, what is prayer and really emphasizing. Cause I think most people can kind of get this idea that, well, praying is talking to God, which Mm -hmm. is great. Mm -hmm. And 
wonderful, um, but where we really feel like it's outside of our calling or expertise or above our pay grade is listening to God, is hearing from God. So the class is how to hear from God in prayer. And it's been really beautiful. And she's so great at like looking at scripture and kind of, I mean, it's been phenomenal. And um, she is great about like, hey, let's not be weird about this and talking about like God is never going to give you, you know, dates or, you know, mates or babies. Like, let's not like, let's know, know kind of the boundaries of how we're called to pour into other people. But anyway, she did this amazing thing at the end of the session last week because her whole orientation has been, we need to just create safe spaces for people to grow and learn and try and yeah. practice. And yeah. and you're, you're not going to be immediately good at this if you've never done it before. And that's okay. You can yeah. get better at recognizing, um, you know, recognizing God's voice in your mm. prayer life. And, and you can like take baby steps and trying things out and experimenting and not have this like existential shame or dread about saying like, I think I might've heard this from the Lord. What do you think? Yes, <laughs> like if I'm yes. wrong, like no harm, no foul. Like I didn't enter a code into the nuclear launch system, right? Like I can say anyway. So in line with that, she did this amazing thing. She um, handed out like little notepads to everyone. There are probably like 20 people in the room, which was also amazing. Um, And they were all the same and like pens that were all the same. And she had asked a woman in the group um, if she would be willing to like be the subject of this experiment. And she's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're just all going to say a simple prayer. And then we're going to listen and we are going to write down something that Mm -hmm. we hear God saying to our friend Zahil. And then we're going to collect them and we're going to pass them around. And then Zahil's going to look at them and she's just going to give us some feedback. Like, does she see any trends? Mm. Does this resonate with her reality? Mm. Is there anything really on or really Mm. off? And like, we're just going to... This is like a safe zone. We're yeah, just going to yeah. try this. To but practice. To practice. It's yes. just about practicing. And everyone's going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, you're just going to do it. And so it's really, um, I mean, it was it was great. And we did it. And it was not this big, long, you know, arduous, like, yeah. just whatever. Um, and so then, and because what I also love is just this demystifying of, like, if you listen to the Lord, it's not going to be because you were so special and holy and you tried and thought so hard. It's going to be because the Holy Spirit yes. was, you know, holy and yes. able to speak mm-hmm. to people. So we did this. But the, this great moment is that is looking through them and um, and she said, well, uh, here's here here's the thing. There are some trends, but but here's what's really wonderful. For the past year, I've just been praying. Like, God, I want to hear your voice. 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 And she's like, just laugh with me at what a what what a sense of humor God has. That all of a sudden she's holding these like, you know, 20-something sheets of yellow wow. paper. I'm like, wow. this is wow. so just even the act of being prayed for yeah. was this manifestation of God's you know, answering her prayer. It was just really beautiful. And it was really amazing to, on the one hand, just see how normal and natural um, it is for us to be dependent upon God and how important it is for us to just create this mm-hmm. culture in mm-hmm. ways that are healthy and holy and are in line with scripture yeah. and are in line with saying like, hey, we're just human people who, who are trying to love one another and trying to love God. And part of that is listening for God. And part of that is just taking baby steps of risk. And if I write something down that I think that the Lord might have given me as a word for Zahil, like even if it's just totally wrong, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. still an embodiment of my love for her, of God's love for her. Anyway, it was, it was just beautiful. And I, I'm so grateful um, 
I'm just so grateful. So, and I think that's so needed in our Presbyterian context. Yes. yes. We often go to that scripture passage that says, you know, decent and in order. Mm -hmm. And we forget that that comes in Corinthians where there are all these manifestations Mm -hmm. of the gifts of the spirit. And Paul is saying, don't shut down the manifestations, just do them decently and in order. Mm -hmm. But we have heard that as as to say, what would make us comfortable? Yes. Well, that, that's, that's weird. (laughs) And so we're not going to do that. Right. Right. Well, and that I think is what is so beautiful and healthy about, you know, Lindsay's approach to all of this is I'm not asking you to like, you know, run up to people and just definitely just to be able to say like, Hey, if we believe what we say, we believe then, then this is actually a reasonable way to behave. And so if you don't want to behave that way, that's fine. But, but we should not be buying into the lie that this isn't for us because it clearly is for us. And the way that God moves again and again in scripture, unless you were physically in proximity to Jesus, but all the other times that God is moving is by, you know, moving in the lives of people who are listening. Um, And so we need to be people who are listening. And she shared this great statistic about Pew interviewing people in America, just America, so Mm. it's a limit, but people who identify themselves as people who pray. Mm. And she said that of those people who identify as people who pray regularly, only 15% of those people report that they spend any time listening to God, right? Which I... I mean, I understand that. I'm not mad about it, but it just sort of betrays something mm-hmm. really unhealthy yeah, about yeah, our, our domestication of the gospel. And, and you know, what yeah. she said, which I loved, was like, we would just like to be moving into that 15%, right? Yeah, like, just just creating some emptiness and space to, to be the people who try and listen. And, yeah. like, if the worst case scenario is you don't hear anything at least you're making space yeah. to listen. And if the worst case scenario is you go up to someone and say, like, I think that this might be a word um, that God gave me when I was praying for you. Mm. Take it. Don't take it. Like, I'm not yeah. saying thus says the Lord. You I'm share saying, it in humility. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And she, she also told this great story about, like, someone that she had learned from who said in the beginning of nurturing this gift in his life, he would say, I heard this. It might be from the Lord, but I think it's probably me. And then yeah, after yeah. he'd done it for a while, he would say, I heard this. I think it's from the Lord, but it also really could be from me. Like, yeah. not probably, but it yeah. could be from me. And then it was, I heard this. I think it's from the Lord, but it might be from me. So never got past mm-hmm. sort of contextualizing mm-hmm. this as like, this might be me, yeah, but it, it could is, be the Lord. It is not. And, and here's a debate among um, um, Christians. You know, they call this. New Testament prophecy, right? Mm -hmm. And so clearly this does not rise to the level of an Isaiah or an an Amos. This is not scripture. This is not new revelation. Um, But this is the Holy Spirit speaks to us. You know, Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah who... Who, who critiques those who worship idols. They, say they have, they have, they have ears, no yeah. Yeah, ears but don't hear, <laughs> mouths but don't speak. speak. But we yeah. serve the living God who speaks. And if he speaks, that means we hear. And we need to listen. Yeah. I mean, if we listen. Yeah. And I think, I mean, whatever. You can go everywhere. And Joel saying, you know, after the Messiah comes, your young men will see visions and 
you, you quote that correctly, but yeah, the reality yeah, is, yeah, I mean, this is yeah, supposed to be a yeah, manifestation of yeah. the risen Christ yeah. is that we have this ability. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, well, it, and, and the indwelling of the spirit, right? It's, right. And that reminds me that one of the, one of the helpful things in my marriage to Han is that we have this dynamic in our marriage that will clearly say, I want this, or I want that. But if one of us says, I think the Lord, I've been praying about it, and I think the Lord is saying, well, we both take that very seriously because we know, I know that she wouldn't say that right. unless she really thought the Lord was leading well, in Well, and I way. think like the, the healthy response is to say like, okay, well, let me pray about it and see if yeah, I get confirmation. Yeah, yeah. This idea that just because someone comes up to you and says, I think the Lord is saying that, but that, I mean, one of the other things that I think is really wonderful and just clear, important to articulate in community is that, you know, when the Holy Spirit is speaking, there's probably confirmation. But I do yes. think, you know, adopting a posture and a culture of creating space to listen gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to just disrupt our conventional thinking, yeah. our prejudice. I mean, we well, just And just think to... about what that does for your leadership. So yes. when your leadership gathers, it's not about personal preferences. Yes. It's about what is God saying to us in this moment, in this season. Right. That's powerful. Well, and if we're not listening, then we, we can't talk about anything yeah. other than our yeah. opinions yeah. and our opinions. And it's not simply they're waiting for Pastor Kate to come down Mount Sinai <laughs> with the tablets of stone saying, you know, I know my face is shining and, you know, listen to me. Well, and just the bottom line is that we're not a memorial society. I mean, mm, what, mm-hmm. who, who we are by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, given the audacious witness of scripture is that we are living bodies of Christ, yeah, right? That yeah, the Holy yeah. Spirit is present. And if that is true, then it's more than about looking back and extrapolating to the present or, you know, reading scripture and trying, but it's having space for the Holy Spirit to speak into, in, yeah. into our current situation in ways that there will be confirmation and that it will be in line with the witness of scripture. But anyway, so that was just a That's beautiful moment and it's a good thing. And I'm excited about just on a personal level, um, you know, moving deeper into that and just about what it will unleash in the community as we, yeah. um, you know, just grow in that. So it's great. So what are you thinking about? I am thinking about an article, actually, no, it's a book by William D. Ortega, who is, let me see if I can get all of his categories. <laughs> he is a Hispanic, charismatic Pentecostal, Anglican scholar, mm-hmm. and he has written a book about public prayer stations. Basically, the people in his church go out to places like Walmart or you know, just mm-hmm. the public square and pray for people. And he tells a story about when he was a child and his brother died. And even though his family was a church-going family, he says that he doesn't remember any prayers or intercession or talk of healing um, for his brother. And uh, he's just felt this call to prayer, intercession, healing ministry. And I think he's been doing it for like 30 plus years. Um, but the book is inspiring me to realize that in this season that we're in as a congregation, God is just calling us into things where we have to trust him. Mm-hmm. Like we step into it by faith. Mm-hmm. So if God shows up, it's, it's not, if God doesn't show up, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I love uh, something like this public 
prayer station, that uh, uh, idea that he has, because it doesn't require any money. Yeah. Just faithfulness, just a willingness to um, engage the truth of Scripture and to step out and risk. Um, and I, I, I want to invite our congregation to consider, and we're already doing something similar, uh, but we're, we're focusing on, we, we go through the neighborhood and we give bread and then ask for prayer requests. But the emphasis is on the giving of loaves of bread. And what if we put the emphasis on praying for people? Um, so that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really just compelling because, and we've talked about this before. I mean, what I think is really interesting as as a, a white person who, who is in this Presbyterian tradition, although wasn't really born in it or raised in it, but I mean, historically, our branch of the body of Christ culturally has been pretty affluent and pretty mm-hmm. white and pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting to me the way then that that gets manifested in the culture of the congregations, many congregations, especially congregations that would consider themselves kind of flagstaff congregations, mm-hmm. which is people sincerely, sincerely, sincerely loving the Lord um, and wanting to use everything they can to serve God. Mm-hmm. But but what that looks like is operating out of their competency and out of their agency mm-hmm. and like, you know, working as as community organizers and activists and working in the school systems and starting, you know, not-for-profit agencies and tutoring kids and all things that I believe in, all, all, all things yeah. that happen at the Grove and that are authentic ways of service, but that what we don't do, because largely the systems and the power and the dominant American culture has been set up in such a way that that we haven't had to do, mm-hmm. like the systems worked for us, so we never had to work outside of the systems. Yeah, yeah. And what you know, b- brothers and sisters of color have always had to do what, because the systems didn't work for them. They mm-hmm. couldn't serve God through the systems. Mm-hmm. And so there had to be this emphasis on, you know, meeting people's needs spiritually and allowing mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to meet those needs. And this is definitely a case of it not being an either or, but I do yes. find it ironic that many of our Presbyterian churches now like we don't primarily lead as a spiritual that's organization right. because mm-hmm. we can do so much good in the world and so much good that's in line with the kingdom of God and mm-hmm. the values of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We can do so much good not leading spiritually. Mm-hmm. And now that we're in an, a post-Christendom era where people are not looking for a nice church to join so that they can meet good people <laughs> and their children. God. I mean, if they are looking mm-hmm. for a church then they are looking for God and if when they are looking for a spiritual experience. And so in our churches, if the spirituality of, uh, if our spirituality is buried or is, yeah. is three levels back in or domesticated, or we're not really interested in, in praying, or we're not really interested in helping someone have a, tra- a life transformative encounter with the Lord, if that's just not what we do, yeah. then we shouldn't be surprised that our communities aren't growing because we're not interested in giving people the things they're hungry for. And because the reality is no matter how much I believe in like the, the summer camps that we do or the after school tutoring program or the or that church doing, you know, AIDS ministry in Africa, there are NGOs mm-hmm. and trained qualified people who can do that stuff better than us. Yes, right? yes, yes. And so we just, you know, the one unique thing we have to offer the world mm-hmm. is relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if we're kind of into that, but sort of, you know, from the side or tangentially, like it just, it doesn't make, we're not going to be relevant. Um, and so I, I really, 
I identified that, like leading with prayer, as uncomfortable as that might make us. Like, I just think we need to ask the question, why does that make us so uncomfortable? Yeah. Why do we claim to be Christians or at least Presbyterians and then be like, no, no, we don't do that. We don't listen to God. We don't do it. Like, no, no, no. Anyway. Well, and it goes back to, I think we talked about this last podcast, just leading with a overt spirituality, right? Not We're not CEOs. We're spiritual leaders. Right. And I'm not a counselor. Right. I'm a pastor, yeah. which doesn't mean I can't meet with people when they're hurting, but the, you know, the what I have to offer is just different, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the relationships I can build with people are just mm-hmm. different, and so that's very interesting. Well, I am thinking, <laughs> trying to think about Thursday night. We are having a gathering of our leaders um, at the Grove, and we do this quarterly. Um, and our our friend Brad Busick started doing this in his congregation, like. 10 years ago and I and he's since moved on to a different congregation but he was talking about it and at the time I was just in a really different place both personally and in my understanding of what it meant to be a pastor and Mm. at the time he talked about gathering his leaders together for quarterly leadership enrichment events and I was like why in the world would you do that like the last thing people need is one more meeting like why why would that's just I just thought it was so stupid I didn't say that (laughs) but I just didn't understand and and so I, I've been very, you know, I have grown and I understand more that, you know, we have to be intentional about creating the culture that mm. that honors God and that, you know, it just won't happen spontaneously. And, mm-hmm. and who creates cultures in our communities are the leaders and not just the pastors, but, but anyone who has responsibility in a certain area who is serving yeah. is helping to create the culture. And what we need is people in those roles who... No, not only know the mission of the church, but are willing to sacrifice yes, yes. in order to achieve that mission. And that's just pretty countercultural since mm-hmm. the culture's concept of leader is somebody who's in charge, somebody has authority to spend a budget, somebody mm-hmm. who who has power over other people to make them right. do what they think is best. And so we have a radically different understanding of what it means to be a leader. And I mean, let's face it, ministry is hard, mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to do an outwardly facing ministry with folks who you're hoping to encounter folks in all different levels of maturity and of brokenness. And you're hoping to be, you know, a soft place and a healing place and a place of truth. Like we need to really equip leaders for how to lead when it all goes wrong. Right. Mm, Or how, you know, nobody needs help knowing really, I mean, rarely does somebody need help knowing how to be a leader in a ministry when it's like you serve a meal and everybody comes in and it's like, I'm so grateful. This is so wonderful. Like people can pretty much walk in line, but, but when, anyway, so we are having these quarterly leadership meetings and the next one is this Thursday night and, um, I'm co-leading it with, um, a, a member of the congregation, Carl Hart, who's really incredible. And we're talking about, um, how we can help leaders, um, cultivate a culture of honor in our community. Mm. I mean, how we can really um, live into honoring one another and, mm-hmm. and what that looks like and how to make that be not just a kind of word from a poetry meeting, but like practically, what does that mean? And you referenced it earlier in our conversation, so thanks a lot. But like, I think a lot of the honor culture is just getting to people to recognize what's my preference and then what is actually you know, the ministry or the mission. Yeah. And if you can differentiate, like, this is what I prefer, um, but it's not actually essential that it happen in mm-hmm. that way. And mm-hmm. I can honor you by saying like, I wouldn't have done it that way. And I might 
I might logistically, you know, sincerely believe that my way is more effective than yours for whatever reasons, but your way is certainly valid and I don't need to, you know, I just don't need to control all of that. Mm -hmm. I can just honor that God has brought you to the space for a reason too. And and I just think so much of the gunk in church Mm -hmm. is created when people feel sincerely feel that they have this divine responsibility to lead people in the right way and the right way is shaped by their preferences, which they don't recognize as preferences, but which they think are just the way it has to be done. (laughs) And so we're trying to get people to say that like, it doesn't matter if you do something in the best way, um, logistically, if the way you treat people Mm. makes them, feel you know unloved or unseen or you know sends them farther away from jesus or you know and that so we call it the way because we're saying like how can we lead like jesus who obviously chose people before they were ready and like didn't you know when peter said you know you're not going to jerusalem i mean he did call him satan but he did (laughs) but but didn't you know kick him out didn't right. cut him break, out didn't, didn't break relationship didn't break relationship yeah. right also didn't say you're right peter let's go to you know right, the right, sanhedrin instead right, like he, right. he didn't deviate from the Loved mission him enough to tell him the truth right and so anyway so just i'm i'm really thinking about that and thinking about we've used the concept of adiaphron before and i just would really like that to be a phrase that people really know at the grove is just kind of a thing this idea that you know, in the wisdom of God and in scripture and in the gospels that there are some things that are just absolutely prohibited and there are some things that are absolutely commanded. Mm. Um, but the vast majority of things are, are audio front, right? Yeah, like are yeah. not, they might not be the most b- beneficial, mm-hmm. but they're not mm-hmm. destructive. Yeah. And we just, we can let things be and trust the Holy Spirit to be in the room and with, you know, good boundaries, but just to recognize, oh, do I feel strongly about this because it's my preference, Um, because I feel anxious, because I feel unloved if you don't do it my way, or do I feel strongly about this because this is really a core essential, can't deviate from this truth. And just, I think getting people to be aware of all of that is just a huge part of creating a healthier culture of servant leadership so and it also will help the the whole piece about um hearing from god yeah will help um in all that yeah sorry (laughs) i was was fooling with the audio the technical difficulties that's good all right well what are you preaching about well, we're continuing in our series uh, called Joyful Mission or Mission Joyful, and this week we're looking at love, and you made such a great point while we were walking that so often in the church when we hear uh, love, we think ought and should, and we kind of begin there, and we tell people you ought to love one another, should one another, and, and yes, we should, but um, biblically, where love starts with being loved. We receive the love of God and in knowing the love of God, we're filled with not only God's love, but God's joy. And so loving becomes this, uh, even though it's it's sacrificial, it's self-giving, it, it is out of a heart of joy knowing that we are the beloved, um, that we are beloved. And uh, so we, we're just going to land there on Sunday and um, 
as we seek to be a congregation that uh, turns outward more and more into our our community. And you're laughing at me because I don't exactly have a text yet. Because <laughs> you're dancing around the reality. Because often get it, you're I, dancing. Yes. You're dancing around the reality. <laughs> oh, very good. Because yes, yes. I think that you should preach David dancing before the ark on the way in because I think that is such a wonderful manifestation of David being so caught up in loving and being loved by God that his identity was totally transformed and just, you know, his, his understanding of what was righteous and what was proper. And, you know, anyway, I, I really love that. I do. I really resonate with what you're saying because I think a lot of times we've kind of turned love (laughs) into a chore in the church. Yeah. And I do think obviously that, um, love is an orientation towards people and love is a, you know, is a choice. We can choose to act in a way that seeks the good of the other, even when our emotions aren't caught up with that. But, but I, but I think we sort of lost the reality that love begins with an experience of being loved by God and then knowing who God is and loving God back, not because we should, but because we do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the, the witness of scripture is, you know, that's all grace. That's all gift. Like yes. we can't manufacture that or make that. So we, if we don't have it, we don't need to beat ourselves up about it. Well, we can just we, ask for we it. We don't have it. I mean, Jesus, when questioned, said the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And the reality is we don't do that. We mm-hmm. And when we read that text, so often we think, oh, okay, those are my marching orders. Yes, but the reality is, if we're honest with ourselves, if someone would write us, um, send us an article, we and we'd look at ourselves, we'd say, oh, but I don't love God with everything I am. I don't love people. Right. And the way to get there is not try harder. <laughs> it's not to join the do better club. Right, it's yes. Say, it is. It is. Yeah. It is the experience of being loved. Well, that's right. I mean, that ultimately our our power or passion our identity comes from being recipients of grace so you know experiencing something that we didn't manufacture we didn't create we didn't earn that you know and i love when we're baptizing um infants at the grove to do that thing which ironically for me apparently comes from john calvin because apparently (laughs) but you know he he would talk about like for you little one Mm. jesus was born and for you he he, i think he skipped straight to suffered and died and Mm. for you little one he rose again in power, and you, little one, don't understand a word I'm saying, and that is just as it should be mm-hmm. to um, embody the words yeah, of Scripture that yeah. before we loved God, God loved us. Yeah. And I think just the reality is, you know, we 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 need to hear that we first have to experience God's love for us and have to be so filled by that and so satisfied in that then we can genuinely walk in loving god you know and we can genuinely walk in loving our neighbors not because we have to but because we love god so much we just want to do what god asks us to do and because we understand ourselves to be in the one who has an inexhaustible supply of love and joy. And we, I think sometimes we're unloving because we see the world 
as a world of very limited resources. And so if I give, and yes, fear and yeah. very much scarcity. If I give to you, that means I won't have. Right. Or we don't like, we feel this low level anxiety about does God really love me? And so then other people, we can just begin to resent them so easily at like, well, you know, why do you have that? Why don't I have mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Why are you, I mean, because we're not, we aren't mm-hmm. full with God's love. And again, like that's not a pejorative accusation. That's just, I think a a diagnosis. Right. And so the place to start then is just saying like, and what we were saying when I was trying to convince you to, to do the dancing David text is to say like, not to say to the congregation, like you should want to do this or why don't you worship more expressively, but just to say, step back from the shoulds and the oughts and just Mm -hmm. say, can you imagine for a minute what it must be like to love God so profoundly mm-hmm. that that was a natural expression of your reality, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's just pure gift, right? Yeah. And so it's not something to feel guilty about or to feel ashamed of. It's just about saying like, oh, that's that that's possible mm-hmm. for humans yeah. to be yeah. that loved by God, to be that aware of God's love for them, that they have that kind of a joy, that's incredible. Yeah. And and I want that. And so yeah. let me ask for that. And let mm. me not be satisfied by this sort of shallow morality and mm. judgmental, and I'm better mm-hmm. than you, so mm-hmm. I guess I'm okay. But no, I don't mm-hmm. want any of that. I yeah. want the love that caused David to, to dance. Yeah. Like that's yeah. Um, yeah excited for that. I'm going to preach that at the end of February. So if you could just preach it first, that'd be great. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> that's really good. So what are you preaching this Sunday? Uh, so we are starting a new worship series on Shalom, which in my head, I'm like taglining like Shalom. It's not what you think, which is just funny to me because nobody thinks, what is Shalom? Nobody knows. But I really, um, Shalom for the tens of people who are listening to this podcast um, is a Hebrew word and it is most conveniently defined as peace and kind of the central premise for me is that that's a that's not a helpful definition because we have a really anemic and thin mm. understanding of what peace is and we just go like oh shalom moving on and and shalom in the hebrew scriptures or the old testament is this really deep multifaceted concept of Mm. of completeness Mm. and um you know totality and so if i were to wish you shalom then i'm saying like i i am praying that you in your life would have the fullness of everything that god desires for you and and if a and if a community is is at shalom it means that they are they are a, a total manifestation of God's desire and plan for that community. So it's mm. so much more than the absence of bloodshed. And it's so much more than an appearance of prosperity or religiosity. Mm. Shalom is really like Eden pre-fall, right? And yeah. so, and, and so I... That's good. I mean, I think that, the, I mean, the challenge for me is like, I, I feel, I feel, I, I believe <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is leading us to, to really introduce this concept to the congregation and i think it's part of about just expanding our our concept of of what god desires for us and just Mm. what god's goodness is and um and i just think that is important so that we can more accurately um i mean we just can't if if we don't even have a concept of something, then we can't walk in it. We can't even hope to walk right. nearer yeah. to it, yeah. right? So, um, and I just think people don't know 
that God is even more than their best expectations, right? Mm, like it's not just a matter right. of like, oh God, I want to love you because I don't want you to zap me after I die or like mm-hmm. I feel obligated to you for the good things in my life. No, like, I mean, God is really good and not like good as an ontologically better than us and I want to squish you like a bug. Thanks, Jonathan Edwards. But like good, like good, <laughs> like this is good. Anyway, so... um I, I like... God is better than your best expectation. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Well, our expectations are fallen. So anyway, I'm preaching Isaiah 11, um, the peaceable kingdom. And part of what I want to do is just give people a vision for what Shalom is um, and what God's intention for reality is and what we believe God has already really accomplished mm. in the cross. And so mm. what we're groaning and waiting in anticipation for and, and all that stuff about I mean, that, that part at the very end about, you know, the, the leopard will lie down with the lion and that there's, they shall neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. And this idea that creation, even the good parts of it are still fallen Mm. and, and that there is, you know, in God's restoration, there's, there's no harming, there's no destruction and that all is redeemed and redeemable and restored into that completeness and that unity. And the part after that is because the world will be full of the knowledge of God as the waters are are covering the sea, right? So just Mm. this idea that when we really know God, Mm. when we really know God, then reality will be fundamentally transformed and not just my individual or human reality, but like literally creation, creation Creation itself is transformed, which I just think is so helpful because it's not like we're just like, this is a garbage lifeboat and who cares what happens? Just get me out of here. and up to No, I mean, creation, Mm -hmm. new creation Mm -hmm. is a redeeming of, of creation. Like this this world is not garbage to God um, or to us. So I'm excited and also intimidated because I think this is just, such an unfamiliar concept mm-hmm. and I think it's going to take a while for people to be able to think in this way but partly I just want people to be able to desire wholeness and completeness in every aspect of their lives and so to recognize that seeking healing and relationships and seeking good mental health and seeking yeah. emotional health like all of those are part of God's desire for yeah. all of us so not yeah. that everything will be perfect mm-hmm. but we can desire healing and wholeness and that's God's desire for us and so it's not like well I've prayed the sinner's prayer and so this part of my life is okay and so it's okay if everything else is garbage right like Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. this will this relationship and knowing God is ultimately completely transformative of every area in our lives um, in line with God's shalom so that something like that that's where we'll go on Sunday maybe Sounds good. No more right. I think it is funny, though. <laughs> it does not escape me that we went from January worth fighting for to February. <laughs> Shalom. <laughs>